Howdy, and welcome to Wise About Texas, the Texas History Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Wise. Thank you very much for tuning in today for a little bit of Texas history. This episode is being recorded and released in the 186th anniversary time period of the Texas Revolution, what many of us call the high holy days of Texas history, since the Texas Revolution is one of those things that makes Texas so unique as a place and did much to reveal the shape and character of Texans, and we're proud of it. On March 27th, 1836, one of the saddest and most disturbing acts of the Texas Revolution occurred at Goliad, the massacre of hundreds of Texian prisoners on the orders of Mexican dictator Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana. But he didn't get everybody. So we're going to go back to March 1836 and get wise about Texas. Let me start by giving you a quick summary of what happened prior to the Goliad massacre. And most of you listening probably know something about this story, but the nutshell version is James Fannin was commanding a garrison at Presidio La Bahia. He decided to leave and head toward Victoria, but he was too late. He couldn't move his army very well. He got bogged down and he ended up getting surrounded by uh, some, some Mexican soldiers under the command of General Urea. And there was a battle called the Battle of Caleto Creek. And uh, Fannin ended up surrendering under terms. Uh, Santa Ana ordered all the prisoners executed. They were held at Presidio La Bahia. And on Palm Sunday, 1836, which fell on March 27th, they were split into three groups, marched three different directions from the fort, and on orders of Santa Ana, the Mexican army executed them all. Or did they? And the answer is, no, they did not. Some survived, and I want to tell you about one of those today. Samuel Brown was from Georgia. His uncle, Colonel William Ward, was raising forces to go to Texas to aid in the cause of independence. So his nephew, Samuel, decided to join. On November 20th, 1835, Samuel Brown left Macon, Georgia, for Columbus, where he hooked up with Captain Ward's company. Now, let me digress for a minute. I know I just started, but let me tell you about his uncle, William Ward, also a native of Macon, and he organized three companies um, that comprised part of the Georgia Battalion. Um, But Ward was a significant player in that endeavor. He organized a public meeting uh, to try to raise uh, men and money, and so he enlisted initially 120 people, um, and he went to Texas. He had a letter of introduction that he presented to Stephen F. Austin and asked to be placed right in the fight. Uh, They ended up landing at Velasco in December 1835. Fannin was already there. Uh, The Georgia Battalion was then organized, and uh, Ward was part of it and his nephew Samuel Brown as well. Um, On March 13th, there was um, a force under 
Eamon King, who were being pinned down at a mission in Refurio, Mission Nuestra Señora del Rosario uh, in Refurio. So Ward and his nephew Brown went down there to try to rescue uh, or reinforce King. And you can go back to episode 36 and learn more about that battle. Short story is Warden King got into a conflict about who was to command, and uh, it ended up in a disaster for everybody. But Ward and his group escaped. They headed toward Victoria, and they were hiding out in the swamps. As they came out of the swamps toward Victoria, to their unpleasant surprise, they discovered that the Mexican forces had taken over Victoria. This is March 21st. Uh, So they get into a skirmish and uh, end up getting captured uh, and surrendered to Urea's cavalry. At that point, they were marched back to Goliad, where Fannin had already been taken prisoner after the Battle of Caledo Creek. So that was Sam Brown, Samuel Brown's uncle. But let's get back to uh, Samuel Brown's account of his situation in Goliad. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention, the, the reason that Ward had headed toward Victoria was he had communicated with Fannin, uh, before that decision was made, and Fannin ordered him to Victoria because it was Fannin's idea that he was going to head to Victoria from Presidio La Bahia, and it didn't work out for anyone. Now, it's important to mention that when Ward's group surrendered, um, they sent Ward and one of his majors and one of his captains went and spoke personally with General Urea. And uh, Urea said that if they would surrender that they would be marched to Copano, sent to New Orleans, or detained as, in other words, paroled to New Orleans, their freedom, or detained as prisoners of war and later exchanged. Those were the terms under which Ward surrendered. That's important because when Fannin surrendered, he got the same terms, although that uh, was later disputed by some of the Mexican accounts, uh, Urea acted consistently, it would seem, both times. And of course, Santa Ana overrode uh, Urea's agreement and ordered the prisoners executed. But I wanted to mention Urea's grant of similar terms that he offered Fannin, uh, he granted to Ward. Ward did not want to surrender because he did not trust uh, the honor of the Mexican army. Um, but the company voted to surrender, and so uh, Ward agreed and surrendered according to those terms. So Ward, Ward's company, including Samuel Brown, were put under guard. They marched to Victoria. The Mexican Army made them carry the baggage across the Guadalupe River and haul it into camp. Um, then they started for Goliad. They arrived at uh, Goliad, and found Fannin and all of the rest of the Texian prisoners in the fort. Um, Brown's recollection is early in the morning of March 27th. They were uh, marched into a line formed in ranks and files. They were counted. Uh, Brown recalls that that they were divided into four equal groups um, of 120 each. Nobody telling them what they were in for, and they were marched uh, out of the fort in different directions. Um, 
Brown recalls that uh, about a half mile, as he figured it from the fort, they were ordered to halt and they were being guarded on both sides. But when they halted, the guards on the right moved around to the left and the Mexican soldiers instantly fired on all the prisoners. Brown's recollection is that nearly all of the prisoners fell, um, but a few tried to escape by running into the prairie and, as he put it, quote, concealing in the weeds, close quote. So you can imagine the prairie, if you've ever been to Goliad and Presidio La Bahia, uh, there would have been prairie grasses all around. So a man could have gotten down in those grasses and hidden. Um, Brown recalls hearing firing from his area, but also from other areas and uh, lots of crying for distress. His description of what happened right next to him was um, he recalled a man named Drury Minor on his left that dropped, that was killed immediately. Um, the man in front of him, Thomas Freeman, also of Georgia, was killed. And he recalls that as he ran away, uh, there were several wounded in the weeds and grass that he saw and uh, presumed that they too were killed. Uh, he did manage to escape and he hooked up with two individuals, one John Duval, and Duval wrote uh, his memoir, which is uh, for another episode, but another gentleman named Holiday from Kentucky. So Brown had escaped and was running away and uh, ended up about a half mile, he thinks, from where he was shot at. He jumps in the San Antonio River, which w runs near Presidio La Bahia, swims across, and that's when he runs into Duval and Holiday. And they continue their escape. For five days, all they ate were wild onions. And then they reached the Guadalupe River, where they found what Brown describes as a nest of young pigs that lasted them several days. Um, they wandered around in the uh, open prairie for several days, uh, all the while seeing signs of cavalry, and uh, they would go and try to find swampy ground to hide in so the cavalry couldn't chase them. Um, but the, when they tried to do that, some of the cavalry saw them, and so two Mexican soldiers captured Brown and Duval. Holiday, on the other hand, uh, managed to, to uh, conceal himself in the swamp good enough that the soldiers couldn't see him. And so um, Brown and Duval are now prisoners again. Shortly after they were captured, however, Duval managed to uh, wiggle free. Uh, one of the Mexican soldiers threw down his gun and tried to chase him, but Duval escaped. And uh, Brown, in, in an account he left, uh, wrote it this way, quote, Duval made his escape, and I have not seen him since, close quote. Um, so Brown's on his own. He's a prisoner. He's taken to a Mexican camp. And then all of a sudden, at some point, the Mexican, his captors, uh, saddled their horses and took off and just left him there. Um, so... Uh, Brown headed back to the swamp where he was originally captured and lo and behold, runs into Holiday, who's still hiding in the swamp. So we've got Duval who took off in directions unknown and uh, 
Brown, who has been cap- recaptured and escaped again, and now is back with Holiday, the other person that he had hooked up with right after the massacre. So they make their way to the Lavaca River, where they come to a house, uh, a deserted house, and uh, they uh, Brown thinks it was an American house, or he called it an American house, which I'm sure it was, a settler's house. Now, you'll remember uh, after the fall of the Alamo, the runaway scrape ensued, and people left everything that they had. They took only what they could carry and took off to the east. And so this is one of those houses that these two gentlemen have come upon, and they found plenty of provisions. They, there was meat, there was corn, there was lard, there were chickens, there were eggs. And so Brown and Holiday feast there for two days, and then at night what they would do was go hide um, because obviously uh, the house would be a good place to look for them. So when they decided to move on, they stocked up on provisions, took them, took them with them, and were in good shape. They walked for four more days until they reached the Colorado River. Um, when they reached the river, Brown had lost the use of his right arm and shoulder, so he couldn't swim the river. Now, what he described is that from the constant rain and exposure, he couldn't use his right arm or shoulder. So any doctors out there listening to this podcast, uh, email me at host at wiseabouttexas.com and let me know exactly what that might have been, and I'll be sure and uh, put it on our social media. But the point is he couldn't swim. So Holiday took all their provisions and swam across the Colorado River, promising to return and to help Brown. But by the time he got across the river, he was so weak and exhausted from the cold water and the rapid current, so uh, he could not get back across the river to help his friend Brown, apparently. So as Brown recalls, quote, thus we parted and I never saw him afterwards, close quote. So now Brown is without provisions and totally alone on the prairie with a dysfunctional at best right arm and shoulder. So he starts walking up the river. Um, The following day, he finds a canoe. So, I mean, this is almost movie stuff here, but he finds a canoe, and so he gets himself across the Colorado River in the canoe and continues to wander uh, east, And so he finally uh, runs into the Brazos River by his recollection on April 20th, 1836. But there were other people at the Brazos River, namely 20 Mexican cavalrymen. So he is now a prisoner for the third time. The cavalrymen take their prisoner Samuel Brown down to the main army under General Sesma, that's General Joaquin Ramirez y Sesma, and they were um, at Fort Bend, which is present-day Richmond, Texas. Uh, they had a few more prisoners, so there sits Samuel Brown. So the following night, a Mexican offer, officer excuse me, comes into camp, and uh, it turns out, of course, this Mexican officer had been at the Battle of San Jacinto. Um, and so he breaks the news to the camp that the Battle of San Jacinto occurred, and uh, the army with whom Brown was instantly retreated. Um, Brown mentions that when he was brought into the camp, 
he pulled his boots off because his feet were so swollen and somebody in the camp stole his boots almost immediately. So when the army starts to retreat, he's barefoot uh, marching through knee-deep mud and water all over the prairie, and it's raining the whole time. Now, this is the famous Sea of Mud. Uh, the Sea of Mud describes the uh, area um, around Richmond and north where the Mexican army got literally stuck in the mud uh, when they were trying to move after the Battle of San Jacinto. Eventually, they returned to Victoria, and uh, he runs into yet more uh, prisoners, some of whom, of course, from, uh, from Macon, Georgia his hometown. So he's, uh, Brown remained at Goliad with the Mexican army for five days. Uh, he describes seeing the places where the divisions of prisoners had been butchered, uh, describes some of the carcasses remaining out there, many burned, others mangled, all of them so disfigured as he describes it that he could not recognize any particular person. And the end of that story is that the, um, Mexican army just left the bodies there. It was Thomas Rusk and a detachment of the Texian army later in the summer that buried the victims of the Goliad massacre. And there's a monument at their grave at uh, Presidio La Bahia. Here, uh, Brown learns what happened to his uncle, Colonel Ward. Um, when it came time to execute the officers, uh, they ordered Ward to kneel, which he refused to do, so they shot him. Um, and then the famous story of Colonel Fannin, where uh, Colonel Fannin handed his watch to a Mexican officer uh, asking that it be sent to his wife, uh, gave him some money to have him decently buried, and asked not to be shot in the head. And, of course, they immediately shot him in the head and uh, took the money and the watch. Um, it was May when Brown finally left Goliad, uh, marching towards San Patricio. So they've still got Brown prisoner as the Mexican army retreats. They said he would be released at Matamoros, um, but he was not. Uh, he was with General Filosola, and Filosola was ordered to Mexico City. So they took Samuel Brown all the way down uh, to Mexico City. By then, he was the only prisoner, and that was August 1836. He was placed in barracks until February 1837. Finally, on March 28th, a full year and a day after they had tried to execute Samuel Brown at Goliad, uh, General Filosola took Brown with him to Matamoros. Before they left, Brown was a guest in General Filosola's house and describes his treatment as very kind. Now, there may be some confusion in his account on the dates because he later in his account, he says he left Mexico City on March 25th, but it doesn't really matter. The point is he uh, went with Filosola to Matamoros, arriving in Matamoros in June. And finally, on July 1st, 1837, Samuel Brown was set free and destined for New Orleans. Now we come to the part of the episode I call Getting There, where I tell you how to see some of the places described in the episode I think we'll focus on Presidio La Bahia. If you will plug the address 217 Highway 183, Goliad, Texas, into your GPS, it will take you to Presidio La Bahia, just south of town. It is one of my favorite sites in, of all Texas historic sites. 
because it's a, it's kind of out on its own and it's been rebuilt, uh, but enough of it there is original, including the church, that uh, which is still in use, by the way, that you can really get a feel for what went on there. And of course, the grave of Fannin's men um, is also there. A statue, a tribute to the angel of Gilead uh, is on the grounds, and it's really just a wonderful place to spend a little time. I do not recommend trying to duplicate Samuel Brown's uh, escapes. Uh, do not swim the rivers. Do not walk for miles across the open prairie. Just appreciate the hardship that Samuel Brown endured in uh, his multiple captures. But most importantly, remember his service for Texas independence. Well, that wraps it up for another episode of Wise About Texas. Thank you so much for listening today. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at Wise About Texas. Leave us a five-star review if you get a moment at uh, Apple Podcasts. That helps people find the show. If you want to support the promotion and preservation of Texas history, you can go to patreon.com, www.patreon.com, and support Wise About Texas. Thanks again for listening. Go out and do something for Texas today. And until next time, God bless Texas, and we'll see you down the road.